Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hi, I am so excited to welcome Dr. Lexi Kite to the Mom Manual today. How are you? I'm great. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I I think this might be one of the interviews I'm most excited about. Can you tell our listeners who you are and what you're doing? Yeah. Um, So I am one half of the identical twin duo of um, Beauty Redefined, where most people know us in social media um, and online. I'm an identical twin. My name is Lexi Kite. My sister's name is Lindsay. We run the nonprofit Beauty Redefined for the last more than 10 years now and just wrote the book More Than a Body, which is the most exciting thing we've done to date, endorsed by like the most amazing change makers in the world. And we are so grateful for all the people that have been reading it and loving it. That's been really fun. It's all based on our work, our PhD research in body image and specifically in body image resilience, which we'll talk a little bit about. It's it's different than everything else you see in terms of body positivity online. And a lot of people doing, you know, really well-meaning, awesome people doing work to help girls and women, especially to feel better about themselves and heal their relationship with their bodies. Um, But we take it a a step further. I'd say a lot of awesome people and well-meaning people can acknowledge that girls and women face body image issues. And they try to solve that problem in a way that sounds a lot like this. You hear a lot of messages that revolve around the idea of you are so beautiful, just the way you are. If you had any idea how beautiful you were, you wouldn't feel so bad. You wouldn't feel so self-conscious. You'd have the power to go out there and just live your best life. And that sounds good for a minute. You know, like, I think it's helpful to think, huh, maybe I am prettier than I think I am, or maybe people see me as more beautiful or whatever. But the truth is that's slapping a bandaid on a much deeper problem. It's not actually fixing the problem. It's just recentering beauty as the most important thing it takes to be a girl or a woman. It's saying, wait, that is profound. That is profound. (laughs) You need to say that again, because wow. I mean, I, I definitely think we are in the social media age where women are celebrated for showing their stretch marks, especially post-birth, right? Um, Showing maybe a flabby stomach and saying, I'm a real woman. You know, this is what my body looks like. Like this is a real woman and um, curvy plus size. It's being celebrated by saying you are beautiful, but you are saying that message might not actually be. I mean, what we talk about in our book and what uh, all of our work is on, it centers around the fact that it's okay. And it's good to tell women they're beautiful or to expand the definitions of who gets to be considered beautiful or attractive, but that's not solving our problems. That is refocusing our problems on our beauty as our source of value, as our source of power, as our source of well-being. If you flip the script on that, Men and boys have self-esteem issues too. They have body image issues and confidence issues. You would never hear anybody say, but you are so cute. You are so handsome just the way you are. If you could just celebrate your flaws 
as your, as your beauty, they're beautiful. Then you'd have the power to go change the world. We laugh at that. Men laugh at that. When we, we speak to colleges and universities and the boys laugh because they have not been raised to believe that they are here to be looked at first. And in a world where girls and women from the time we are very small are praised for our beauty are decorated, you know, the bows, the dresses, the makeup kits and dress up kits, the media we watch, the recenters beauty as the only way to be a girl. The representations of girls and women are so often so one-dimensional, even in kids shows, we can talk all about this and we will, but we generally only see women and girls one way. And that is thin, young, tall curves in all the right places, white, these certain ideals, but we see boys getting to be lots of things. When we grow up in this world, we are convinced that in order to be happy, successful, and loved, we have to look a certain way. And that is not true. If you look around at the world, if you think about your own life, you don't have to look a certain way in order to be loved, to be successful, to be happy, to be fulfilled. And the message we're trying to get out there is that sure, you are beautiful, but you are more than beautiful. You are more than a body. You are more than a collection of parts to be fixed, to be looked at, to be flaunted. You are so much more. And once you know that your whole life opens up in the most amazing ways. Okay. I'm not sure why, but I am getting emotional right now. I (laughs) I have two girls and I have two boys. And when you're talking about the way that girls are raised to be seen and decorated as an ornament, which totally makes sense. Your body is an instrument, not an ornament. Um, and it is laughable. Like my boys would never find value in the way they looked. They don't yep. care. They find value if they're strong, if they can be Iron Man, if they yep. can dribble the basketball fast, like it's external things. And my girls, um, I mean, they do love makeup and they love bows and they love dressing up and they love how they look. And it, I think I just, I got emotional because I had this pause of, how am I raising my kids? I I don't know. So Lexi, this is amazing. Can you (laughs) jump into, you have three takeaways for our listeners today. And can you jump into the first one? Um, and, and, and we'll kind of go through each of these because this is a lot of good information. Yeah. I mean, this is my life's work. Me and Lindsay have spent so many years, you know, 10 years of college without taking a break, doing this work, it's hard to sum it all up. And we do our best like via Instagram, via these little squares and captions, but I'm so glad that this resonates with you. And I know it will with your audience, because I truly believe what we are saying is true. And that people are starving for this truth. You don't hear it in the rest of the world. And it is incredibly liberating. Yeah. So I've never heard it. Yeah. I I believe it. It's, it's why we do what we do. We feel incredibly compelled to do this work. So the first thing, um, It's a really big point, but especially for the moms out there listening, who is primarily your audience, when you hear me talk about the ways that girls and women grow up feeling self-conscious about their bodies, feeling a lot of body shame, or just feeling really defined by their body. Like I can only be happy if I'm this thin, or if I have boobs that look like this or whatever the thing might be, you know, those are the messages we hear. And it's easy to hear that and think, oh my gosh, I have been so impacted by this world that treats me like an object. My kids are being impacted by this world. And you just start to feel so hopeless. And I don't want you to feel hopeless. I want you to know that The work Lindsay and I do feels like this really awesome shining ray of light in a body shame tunnel, in a tunnel where women have been defined as bodies first and people second. That work is called body image resilience. When you understand what body image resilience is, your life opens up. 
Resilience is the opportunity to see the shame and pain you have grown up with that you have experienced, whether you have seen it before or not. It's pain that you've just kind of swallowed and thought, this is the price of being female. I have to pay attention to my body. I have to stay on a diet. I have to get this work done. This is the price you pay to, to be me. That's not true. And when you see that shame and pain, when you feel it kind of rise up inside of you, whether you're tagged in a photo, you don't like somebody says something about your body, you gain some weight, your breasts start sagging, whatever the thing is, it's constant. You can take that as when that shame rises up, you take that as kind of the spark This spark as an opportunity to tell you that you do not deserve to feel that shame. It is not an innate or natural part of you. Your body is an instrument, not an ornament. What that means is that you can use that pain to become more, more of who you are meant to be, more of who your kids need you to be, more of who this world needs you to be, not an ornament, but an instrument. So what does it mean for all of us to live as an instrument instead of an ornament? Well, a lot of people. I want to pause you really quick because we, you and I were talking for a minute before the podcast started and I told you I had prepped this interview and I had thought about the topic and I had thought I have never had body image issues. And I, I have a athletic frame is what I would define myself as, I guess, which I don't even know if that's good or not to define, but I played sports my whole life, including soccer through college. And I thought, oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really have this body image problem. And, And we had talked and I said, you know, maybe my calves. I am now thinking back in high school. I remember one of my friends and I, we wanted to be thinner and we took these over the counter at CVS, these pills, and they Mm -hmm. actually made our stool have like oil in them, which is scary, weird and horrible. And I remember we would buy them and we would feel like upset stomachs. And we were like, oh, we'll just eat. They were diet pills basically. Um, And I think I told my parents about them and they were kind of like, oh, whatever. As long as, you know, they're from CVS, they're fine. And they never even said to me, what a weird thing, like your body's beautiful or, you know, I, I, I do remember them. They always were encouraging me to work on my body, but in the lens of sports, not to be seen as beautiful or for other people to look at. It was like, you need to be thinner so you can be faster. So you can be better at soccer. So I, oh. I mistaked that for maybe not thinking I had a body image, but it was always, I was striving to be something technically maybe that I wasn't. And then as yeah. I got through college and stopped competing at a level like that, that's when I started really shifting on, well, I want my body to look like, I mean, a Victoria's Secret model, right? That's kind of our ultimate definition of yeah. beauty. And that is not attainable. No matter how skinny yeah. I get, I will never be 5'11". I will never be a hundred pounds. It's not what my body looks like. And so yeah. for me, it was always, I was disappointed in what I looked like, how jeans fit. And I think that translates even to, let's take off the Victoria's Secret models, but now we have influencers that show clothing. And I would watch some influencers and think, oh my gosh, I love those jeans. And then I would put them on. I'd be like, these look terrible because I don't uh-huh. have a size zero legs that are, you know, five, 11, five, six feet tall. Um, so it's just so interesting that I had this thought that I had no body issues. And as I really yeah. kind of unpacked it, I'm like, wait, I have a ton of body issues. So I didn't mean to interrupt, totally. you, but I did want to put that out there for anybody who's thinking, oh, it doesn't really apply to me. I think it might. <laughs> 
It does. When you said that to me um, before the interview, I wanted to say, let's talk about that because I don't mean to challenge you. There are some people who are resilient in our research. There is like this, there's small percentage of the population that is just automatically pretty resilient to all these objectifying ideals and unrealistic messages out there. Um, They are rare. Most people who are resilient in the face of these ideals have become stronger and more purposeful in their bodies and more instrumental in their bodies because they've been through something terrible because they dealt with an eating disorder throughout their lives or had a friend or sister who did. They dealt with an injury or illness that has kept them on the sidelines of their lives. And they had to think about themselves in a new way. You know, these sorts of things come up and they help us through resilience to become stronger, not just in spite of the yucky, hard things we deal with, but because of it. And that's what we teach through body image resilience. So this first baseline question, we ask people in our research, we write about it in our book, and we're also really vulnerable um, on our own about this. So it's not just from a research perspective. The first question we ask people is, how do you feel about your body? And the vast majority in our dissertation research and, and in the many years since, the vast majority of people describe themselves according to what they think they look like to somebody else. So instead of talking about how they feel in their bodies, what they've experienced, what they can do, most women will explain their worst fears about what they think somebody else might be thinking when they look at them. Oh, I have these stretch marks. I have cellulite in my thighs. Now, if I could just get rid of that, I'd feel great. But for now, oh, not feeling great. Or my breasts are sagging. I need to get a boob job, whatever the thing might be. They talk about themselves from the outside. That's called self-objectification. What we found is that most people, most women, live their lives in a state of self-objectification where you picture yourself living instead of just living. And it sucks the life out of you. You might not even know it at the time, but if you are evaluating yourself according to your worst fears of what you think your husband might be thinking when he looks at you, your sister-in-law, your mom, the stranger on the street, your energy, your joy, your life is being sucked out of you. It really is. Research shows that you don't perform as well in like physical fitness tests, like lifting weights or getting into a flow state running. Your relationships suck when you are focused on how you look instead of living inside your body, experiencing real intimacy in so many ways. It it just, it saps the life out of us. So I, I want to challenge you on that in, and gosh, I don't want to say the word challenge. You have a PhD, um, but question you on that because when you say it, it sounds very dire. And I would almost think somebody is thinking about it 24 seven. They're always, but would you say that most people fall into that camp almost unbeknownst to them? Like they're thinking about it, but they don't, it's not, they don't really realize they're thinking about it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The, the whole idea of teaching people about self-objectification is that it, for most people, it's this light bulb that goes off where they say, Oh, I had no idea. I lived like this. I had no idea. They just think it's like natural. It's your normal state of being. If you talk to your husband or most men, they don't experience Mm self-objectification. And once you kind of dig into it and you dig into the research and in your own life, we ask people things like, have you ever stayed home from an event or even not gone to the grocery store and not gone swimming, gone out with your friends because you were self-conscious of your acne, you haven't shaved your legs, you don't feel good about how you look. And the vast majority of people say, yes, men don't do that. Wait, like, this is a light bulb moment. Cause as you're talking, I was thinking, you know, when you had said, how do you feel about your body? And I thought pretty good. I've had four kids. I work out almost every day. 
I, I shouldn't say I don't care what my husband thinks, but I'm, I think he's fine in that department. Like, no, you know, but I will not get on and I have no makeup on right now, but I will not get on an Instagram story without putting on makeup. So clearly I care and not just some makeup, like a full face of makeup. And my Mm. team knows that. And they're like, okay, let us know. Like the day you have makeup on, you know, we'll jump (laughs) on Instagram story. So I, as you were talking every time, I'm like, that's not me. But then I'm like, wait, nope, that is me. (laughs) Yeah. I think the important thing here, and thank you for being honest about that. Cause you're not alone. We're all kind of holding ourselves back from like living in so many ways based on our fears of what people think we look like. And so one thing that I would challenge everybody listening and you, I do this too, is you can find out what shame is driving in your life by choosing to prove yourself wrong and live anyway. So you don't have to do this. You don't have to do it on IG live. I understand that that is complicated and and difficult to have so many people watching you, but for anybody out there, who's like holding yourself back from having family photos done or from going on that vacation or signing up for that volunteer opportunity or that promotion at work, because you feel like if you lost weight first or got that work done, then you'd feel better. I challenge you to prove your worst fears about yourself wrong. Those fears live inside your mind. They are not reality. And that if you can prove yourself wrong by going about your day without makeup and not apologizing for it or whatever the thing is, you prove to yourself that you are still you, that you are just as much you as you were when you put a full face of makeup on or when you diet your life away before you go on that vacation, you prove yourself and you build that resilience in your life by proving that you are more than a body, that whatever your worst fear is inside your head, you don't live it out. If you did an Instagram live right now without makeup on, sure, maybe a couple of people who have been steeped in super objectifying ideals would say, oh no, you look sick. And do you know what? That's your opportunity to say, did you know this is what human faces look like? I know that most women are required to lengthen their lashes and darken them, but guess what? This is what faces look like. And here's your opportunity to learn that. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Okay. So if we go back to, and, and I know there's no way you can answer this in one question, but if you were to say, you know, how to heal our own body image struggles, so we don't pass them along to our kids. What would be like just one thing that you, you know, one thing that everybody could t- take as a takeaway and kind of work yeah. on? So ask yourself that question, that baseline question. How do I feel about my body? If your answers revolve around how you think you look for good or bad, That means you are prioritizing an outsider's perspective on your incredible instrumental body. Depending on what you say, you can shift how you live your life to be more instrumental. What does it mean for you to live as an instrument instead of an ornament? Does it mean you challenge yourself to get out there anyway when you don't think you look right? Does it mean that you are going to set goals for your fitness that don't revolve around what you weigh or what size you wear or how you look, but that have everything to do with what you can do, how strong you are, how many, like the, the weights you can lift, how far you can run the dance classes you participate in this week. When you experience your body from an embodied personal first person standpoint, your life comes back. You are more likely to notice when you're self-objectifying, kind of splitting from yourself. And you can invite yourself back home again and again. And as you do that, the way you treat people changes, the way you see other women in your life, the way you raise your kids, it becomes more about having an instrumental experience inside your own body than worrying about how other people might see you. And that can lead us to these next two tips for kids too. 
Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, you know, as a mom of two girls who are eight and nine, this is so relevant and so timely for me because we are just entering that period where they are caring what they wear and caring what they look like. And, um, this is so important. Can you define for me when you say your body's an instrument, initially, I think an instrument being, um, an instrument to play a sport or an instrument to birth a baby. What exactly is that definition meaning? So a lot of times when people hear that, they think, oh, my body has to be a perfect instrument. It needs to be a perfect tool to do what you say, like to play a sport, to birth a baby, whatever. But no, we want you to have a much more holistic understanding of what it means to have an instrumental view of your body. An instrumental view is an embodied first person perspective on your body. It's paying attention to how you feel inside your body, what you can do what you've experienced. So a lot of people listening probably deal with chronic illness or injury or disease. None of us have perfectly working instruments. You know, that's not how life is. You can't perfectly birth a baby without problems. Like none of us are just are living with perfect instruments, but I want you to think about still staying at home in your body instead of drifting from yourself to evaluate yourself from the outside where you will not experience joy and happiness. It has to come from an internal perspective. So when you can think about and prioritize how you feel, what you can do, who you are, then all of a sudden your body is an instrument for your own use, not for others viewing pleasure. Like you can show love, you can communicate, you can breathe with your lungs that work. You can move your legs if they work. Suddenly your life becomes a lot bigger and a lot more happy. Your body image is improved so much by seeing your life, your health, your fitness, all in terms of an instrumental view. I think this is, I mean, I, I've had so many light bulb moments just in the time we've been talking, but I feel like this is almost something, you know, it's, it's like, um, dreamline baby. Sometimes people, it's like, they don't know what they need. They don't realize they could be sleeping through the night until they get our product. And then they're <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, I'm sleeping through the night. It's almost like, I didn't know I needed to think about this until I'm thinking about it. And I'm realizing there's some probably baggage for me that I've not unpacked to live like this is kind of amazing actually (laughs) like thank you so much okay let's go into your second takeaway for everyone okay my second takeaway uh, I come at this from the perspective of I have a five-year-old daughter and I have an 18-month-old daughter so while I've been doing research much longer than just the five years that I've had my first daughter I also can speak about this stuff from personal experience um the first thing to raise a kid with body image resilience, especially a daughter, we have to change the way we talk to them and treat them. This is something we've posted a lot about on Instagram. And in some ways, maybe it sounds a little bit um, divisive and I don't mean it to be from our research and from personal experience. What I want you to start um, prioritizing is how your daughter um, can be dressed in ways that prioritize practicality over pretty. So yes, pretty can be good and fun. There's nothing wrong with pretty. But if you think about the disparity between how boys are raised and how girls are raised, we allow boys to just be, you know, to live, to move, to be rambunctious. We talk to them about those things. And for girls, a lot of times we prioritize um, their appearance over their function. We compliment girls on how cute they are from the time they're just little, look at your 
pretty little dress. Give me a twirl. Oh, look at that hair. You are so pretty. Look how cute you are. That's what we do, right? We compliment boys on who they are, how rambunctious they are, how strong they are, whatever the thing might be. But we talk to girls in a different way that prioritizes how decorative they are over them as people, as the same rambunctious, funny people that little boys are. And that even comes down to the ways we dress them. And it's not all our fault. Like the fashion industry is set up to make sure that if you have a girl in a size 40 and a boy in a size 40, the boy's shorts are going to be long. There will be pockets. They will have reinforced knees. The girls will be much, much shorter. They will not be reinforced. There will be no pockets. This is how it is. We prioritize the functionality of boys' clothing and not girls. And so for me, raising a daughter, I have made sure to prioritize her body as an instrument more than an ornament by opting out of some of those decorative things that are really uncomfortable. Like I always hated wearing bows and headbands because it gave me a headache. And so I don't even have big bows and headbands on my daughters. I don't want them to know that they have to be decorative first. So when they're, when they're playing, I try to get them. And just in our day-to-day life, I shop a lot of times from gender neutral sections or from the boys section. So they have reinforced knees and pockets, like things that prioritize their experience in their own bodies instead of how they look. And when I'm complimenting my daughter and other girls, I make sure to ask them questions. I make sure to talk about what they're reading, complimenting them on their character, their traits, their skills. That makes such a huge difference for little girls. This is um, my daughter, my oldest. We, um, when she was first born, we dressed her so ridiculous, like, like a doll (laughs) actually would say she's a dolly. Right. And I put the biggest bows on her when she's a newborn and we would have the shoes and the stockings and we'd have bracelets. And I mean, she literally was a doll. But as a mom, I was so excited because I played with dolls as a little girl. And I was like, I have my own real life doll. And that is really probably pulling forward ideals that we don't want them to have. One good thing I was thinking about is um, athleisure is very in right now. And that is what my girls want to wear these kind of athletic outfits. And I, when they first started putting them on, I was like, "Eh, those don't really look that cute. You're wearing, (laughs) you're wearing sports clothing essentially. Um, but it's comfortable for them and they like it. And more importantly, it's what all their friends are wearing. So they want Mm -hmm. to, you know, kind of dress what everyone else is. So I've, I've said fine. So I guess I'm getting a a one point for mom, my girls be more than an instrument or more than an ornament on their body because they have been dressing that way. But one thing I was thinking about is my daughter is now really getting into dance competitiveness. Mm -hmm. And we, um, every show they go to, I, you might not know yet because your kids are young, but they wear earrings and um, rhinestone choker, which I was like, wow, how can you even dance in that? Full face of makeup, you know, everything, the the outfits, as you've seen, are just over the top. They're these beautiful costumes, um, but they are a doll for sure. How, how do you navigate if your child is into something like dancing or singing, acting, um, you know, anything that performing in that way. How do you navigate that? Cause I'm like, wow, that's going to be tricky. It is tricky. We write about this in our book. Um, body image issues, disordered eating are very much elevated when girls are involved in sports or, um, competition activities that are focused on aesthetics and dance is definitely one of them, mm-hmm. especially competitive dance. It's, it's scary. I, 
advise you and all the moms listening to be incredibly careful when it comes to these sports. If you can find a coach that will prioritize their form and their function over their beauty, over their thinness, over, you know, those sort of unreal ideals that are so inherent in a lot of dance and a lot of cheer that will be incredibly helpful. If you have a dance instructor that, um, would be open to kind of understanding a different way of being able to teach kids that prioritizes that function and form, our book talks a lot about it. Be careful, pay attention to your daughter. If she starts, um, trying to diet, dieting is the worst thing a kid can do. It'll ruin their metabolism. Um, but disordered eating and eating disorders are on the rise among little girls who dance, especially, Mm. um, just, I would watch it. I would be very careful. My own daughters have not expressed an interest in dance. And I'm glad about that because of what the research is showing. I think that you can perform or do any sport in the world you want, what you want for your girls to understand is that their bodies are instruments, not ornaments. And even though there will be some focus on how their bodies appear with what they're doing, do your absolute best to make sure that even if they grow up and they get older in a body that's bigger than the other kids, because body diversity is real and it doesn't make them bad. It doesn't make you bad. Body diversity is absolutely just a thing. It is just genetics. Um, Do your absolute best to make sure they know that all bodies are good, that there is nothing wrong with fat, in any way, shape or form. Um, and if you do have a dance coach or teachers that are, are trying to get girls to diet that are trying to shame girls in any way, it is the worst demotivator in the entire world. It will usher them into a life of self-objectification and shame. I know that sounds super dramatic. And I'm only saying this from a place of like deep care and concern for girls that I have seen go through this over and over again. I think that she can come out unscathed. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I think it's important to note that you've, you've done, you said 10 plus years of research. This is not just objective speaking from a mom's perspective. I mean, you have a PhD. So, um, that I did not dance growing up. Um, again, I played soccer, I played ice hockey, ran track kind of more, I guess we'd call it the boy sports. Um, and it does worry me a little bit that, that dance mom mentality on the state, you know, and I've seen it already and she's in first grade. So you know what good thing to think about you have really benefited from another thing we write about in the book, which is those types of sports that don't have an aesthetic component. It's Mm -hmm. not about how you look competitive team sports like soccer, basketball track are amazing for body image because they reinforce that instrumentality of your body. And so another thing you could do if your daughter is super interested in dance, if you have the time, pair it up with a competitive team sport where she can get into a flow state where she's not thinking about how her body appears and nobody is asking her to think about how her body appears. That will be a really great protective factor for her. Yeah. Um, that's, that'll be huge. I love that. She, she actually wants to do basketball this year. So we're going to sign her up for that. Good. Yeah. I, with, with the long shorts and the long t-shirts. Perfect. (laughs) I know we don't want to hide their bodies, but yeah, um, those are, those are really, really great. And, um, you had another tip about media. Can you go into that? Yes. This is a huge component of our work too. It's this idea of media literacy, which is being able to kind of understand why media is created the way it is and how it impacts our perceptions of 
normal of reality in so many ways, um, especially for young kids growing up. Research shows that even in the top 500 animated kids movies, like every movie you can think of, Pixar, Disney, DreamWorks, the list goes on. Um, they have a huge impact on the way boys and girls perceive girls. They really perpetuate some harmful, unrealistic, sexually objectifying ideals. Because if you think about it, when you see girls featured in these movies, they often always have one body type and one look. You know, we've posted about this on Instagram with dozens and dozens of examples of this, of the latest streaming movies on Netflix, Amazon Prime, the works. Girls are always tall, thin, but with curves in all the right places, big eyes, you know, those princess ideals. It turns out that when we teach our kids this, it helps them see very early on that media is not representative of reality. It's constructing reality. Yeah. And that people who make media, like the people who are actually drawing and creating those characters, they are not doing a very good job of being creative or of representing reality in any way, shape or form. We see the male characters, they get to be like the funny sidekick. They get to be the, the snowman, the reindeer, the big oaf. They get to be anything in the world. And the girls are often always only beautiful and do very little to move the plot forward. So this kind of comes in two parts. When you are watching shows with your kids, I want everybody to try to do a better job of prioritizing shows that have body diversity and that feature girls as lead characters doing anything to move the plot forward. Prioritize that for both your boys and your girls. That will be incredibly helpful for them to see girls as more than just pretty objects, you know? I do think we've come a long way as you're talking about this. I'm I'm uh, born in 86. And so kind of, I guess, a child of the 80s, 90s, you'd say. And I yep. think of... Um, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, um, who were all the, you know, the classic Disney princesses. And they were yes. all very specific, beautiful body type, like truly an ornament. And now yeah. for it a little bit, I, I can think of the movie Brave, you know, that was a good one. However, Moana, Moana, yes. But you're right. They still are all very, very beautiful. And that is what you want to see in Hollywood. Even right now, my girls are into the show called Jesse. And I do really love that they show a lot of diversity um, in terms mm. of they have white, black, um, Indian, Asian. I mean, truly it's, it's a, it's a wonderful mix. And I love that, but they are still, everyone is shockingly beautiful. Yeah. And I do think in, you know, they have full hair and makeup, although they try to make it not look like makeup because the kids are supposedly in makeup. I know. Yes. Although I also think they're not actually in middle school. They're like 20 year olds and yeah. long hair that is fully curled. And, you know, my girls think you're going to roll out of bed and, and go into second grade effortlessly like this. I show. know. So there's still a lot of more way we need to go. Um, but yes. I do love that idea of really letting them know, hey, you see this and they're doing some good jobs here, but this is not reality. I this is that. not reality. And how does this impact you? You can, we write about this in the book and we've got like questionnaires you can work with, with your kids to ask them questions. Like, how does it make you feel to only see girls that look one way in most all the shows we watch? Why do you think the boys get to be all different ways? We see boys represented every way a boy in real life really is, you know, and positively. How does that make you feel? And even with little kids, you can help them learn that they can be active, 
creators instead of just passive consumers of these shows. So with my, I actually recently posted about this on Instagram with a video of my five-year-old daughter. We were watching a preview for the show on Netflix, Rainbow Rangers. And it had like 10 girls in it that all looked exactly the same. They were all the perfect little princess ideals of girls. And it infuriates me. And Logan knows she's like, mom, they're not representing girls. Well, are they? She knows she's five. And I love that. So I said, huh, Logan, let's turn off the TV. Let's go create some girl characters of our own. Let's be more creative than these, all these creators making these movies that are mostly men, by the way. Um, and so we sat down at her little table and she drew all different girl characters that There was a big snowman and a little snowman. There was a dog cloud that was a girl. There were two robots dancing. Those were the kind of creative girl characters she wanted to see. And you can do that with Play-Doh. You can do that, you know, sculpting or just like drawing, writing your own stories, but helping kids get more creative and look around in their real life to see that you can be happy and successful and look a million different ways, not just this one way you always see in media that will change the game for your kids. Yeah, this gosh, I feel like I have so much to think about. I am definitely reading (laughs) the book. Um, Amazing. Lexi, this was so much good information. I I could talk to you for another hour. Um, I, I think we are already running long. So I could you tell everybody where they can find you, um, where they can get your book, all, all those pieces. Yes. So our website is more than a body.org. Our book is called more than a body. Your body is an instrument, not an ornament. It's available via audiobook, hardcover, ebook, anywhere books are sold. Um, and our Instagram is beauty underscore redefined. That's where we are on Facebook too, Beauty Redefined. We would love for you to join us in this revolution of body image resilience we all need. I love this. Thank you so much for coming on. It has given me so much to think about. And and my biggest thing is just, I was not aware of this for myself. I was not aware of this for my kids. And there were so many great actionable items that you talked about today that I'm going to take and talk with both my girls and my boys. Dr. Lexi Kite, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. 